You're listening to Sleuth, a podcast based on old-time radio. Today's episode, The Case of the Able-Bodied Automatons. Halloween. Not exactly my favorite holiday of the year. Whether it's the kids running around demanding candy, the loud costume parties, or the colossal Frankenstein-like monsters that get lost in shipments, things rarely go my way when it comes to Oh Hallow's Eve. I was at my desk enjoying an iced tea and reading up on the evening's events in the newspaper when... Frank Fletcher, Private Eye. Hello, Mr. Fletcher? Richard P. Esquire III here, and I need your help. Richard P. Esquire III is from a long line of entertainers. Ringmasters, clowns, daredevils, you name it. Richard here decided to continue the family tradition of entertainment, but in a more low-key way. Enter Larry the Ladybug's Pizza Emporium a place where kids were free to play arcade games, mess around in mediocre indoor obstacle courses, and of course, oversized robotic anthropomorphic animals who sing an array of songs every hour on the hour. (sighs) Sorry, Mr. Esquire, I don't do oversized robots. Robots? Good sir, they are merely but animatronic. (laughs) They can't do anything on their own. Be that as it may, I I think I'll pass all the same. Look, I'll pay you $200 as a retainer for you to come in. If you decide to take the job, I'll pay you another $200. (laughs) Do we have a deal? Damn, money. (laughs) My only weakness. I went to Larry Ladybug's Pizza Emporium. It wasn't very far. It was in the outskirts of the city. The building itself wasn't anything impressive, but it sure looked big. It had its own parking lot in the back, so that's where I parked my old Studebaker. As I proceeded inside, I was welcomed by the sound of kids laughing. A couple of them rushed past me with their parents close behind in hot pursuit. I continued down the corridor, which had a jovial paint job, even more posters plastered all over, and paper streamers that hung from the ceiling. I passed what looked to be a security office with a security guard at the window. He was reading a comic book entitled, The Cherry Popper, Issue 1. What was that, some sort of fruit-based superhero? I don't know. I finally got to the end of the corridor and was hit with the smell of pizza and crayons. It was a madhouse. Kids running around, playing on arcade games, playing tag, doing all sorts of shenanigans. Off in the distance was the stage. On it sat an oversized anthropomorphic animatronic ladybug named Larry.
Oh, good. Two things that I have an unbridled hatred for amalgamated into a single atrocity. I was never a fan of animatronics, much less bugs. Mr. Fletcher, glad you could make it. Ah, jeez. Can't sneak up on a guy like that. Oh, <laughs> sorry, force of habit. Back in clown college, we were taught that if you could make the audience jump, you'll have them coming back for more. <laughs> the man who had snuck up behind me to give me a scare was Richard P. Esquire the Third himself. He was all decked out like a traditional ringmaster. He wore a bright red coat with long tails in the back, polka dot bow tie, and a black top hat. He wore a wide collared shirt underneath and black slacks along with black shoes. I hope he didn't go out like that on a normal basis. Uh, the clown college, you say? But of course, my dear fellow, you are looking at a proud graduate of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College! <laughs> Where it ain't no joke learning to clown around. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Well, if I recall correctly, you mentioned something about a job. Ah, yes, of course. Follow me. I followed the would-be ringmaster through the sea of kids. As we passed the animatronic, I did my best to ignore the creepy thing. He led me to a door labeled Employees Only, which revealed a network of hallways leading to different places. I didn't have time to sneak off and check any of the places out, but I did see one room that was labeled Parts and Maintenance. Richard P. Esquire III led me all the way to the back to a room labeled Ringmaster's Office. Oh, brother. Once inside, he closed the door and had me sit down. He went over to a coat hanger and hung his top hat and his coat. Mr. Fletcher, let me be frank. I was immediately concerned that he didn't even smirk at the irony of that statement, my name being Frank and all. It was kind of scary how his clown charm and whimsy was just turned off at the drop of a hat. The pizza entertainment business isn't exactly the most profitable. Nobody gets rich doing this sort of thing, Mr. Fletcher. Yeah, I gathered. That stage back there looked pretty big for just one of those things. Very astute, Mr. Fletcher. We used to have three animatronics here. Beatrice the Bunny and Ferdinand the Frog. Late last month, the staff that opened found Beatrice beaten to pieces. Just last week, it was Ferdinand. Someone doesn't like your animatronics, Mr. Esquire. Please, please, call me Richard. Animatronics aren't cheap, Mr. Fletcher. These days, parts and people who know how to fix them are becoming more rare, more expensive. Most in-house repairs are done by me. Normally, we could get away with it. A pod needing replacement here, some duct tape there. But these past two vandalisms were just... Vicious! Whoever did this was relentless and determined to destroy them. A large reason kids come to this place is purely for Larry and his friends. These days, there's no other place like it. Kids gather around Larry while he sings his songs, they hug him, they talk to him. Kids don't often get that these days anymore. I don't know what'll happen if Larry gets it next. I mean, he's the only one I have left. He's the titular character. I mean, I can't possibly fix all three of them at the same time. The ringmaster's face went from serious to desperate as he told his tale. 
You've got to help me, Mr. Fletcher. I've got no one else to turn to. Ah, I let out a long sigh. All right, Richard, I'll take the case. Is there anyone who would want to do this to you? Someone who would want to destroy those things? Or maybe someone who would want to see you out of business? Not that I can think of, really. I, We don't even have any competition. I mean, there's not many restaurants that cater to kids or whimsy these days. Great. A dead end with no leads. It wouldn't be the first time I started a case like this, but something told me that this case was going to be... Uh, interesting. As much as Richard P. Esquire gushes about his restaurant and how much he loves to make children happy, the Clown College graduate would make a substantial amount of money if he sold the place. The location would be perfect for one of those upscale hoity-toity places. I spent the day observing, trying to see if there was anything out of the ordinary. I talked to staff, most of whom were youngins who worked there part-time, and I hung out in the security office, trying to talk to the guards there. By the end of the day, I was just where I had started. Nowhere. No solid suspects. I did, however, have suspicions. There was Richard P. Esquire, the third himself. What's to say he wasn't trying to set the whole thing up so he can claim someone was out to get him, allowing him a disgraced but graceful exit for someone who may want out of the entertainment biz. Then there was one of the guards, Kenneth, real quiet, never really said much, but there was something off about him. I don't know, maybe he was just really antisocial? I don't know. I sifted through everything in the security office. There were a handful of incident reports, mostly fights among parents, nothing substantial. A few items in the lost and found, and some newly installed monitors in the corner of the room. They peered into some of the areas of the restaurant. The main dining room, the parts and service area, the kitchen, most hallways, etc. I guess the ringmaster wanted to know once and for all what was happening to his robots, and didn't mind spending the extra dime. As the day came to a close, so did the restaurant. The kids all started to leave, and so I figured I'd make my way out too. You're not leaving, are you, Mr. Fletcher? The ringmaster stopped me before I was able to make my way out. Well, I'm not sure if there's much else I can do here, Richard. I mean, I've got no leads, I've only got hunches, and I figured if I go home, I could make some leeway by doing some research. Mr. Fletcher, I'm going to be honest here. You're the fourth private investigator I've hired since this whole thing started. Fourth? I was a little insulted. All of them came up with nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, I know I'm not crazy, but I can't go throwing money at private investigators left and right when there's always zero results. So here's what I'm offering. Stay the night here. Make sure nothing out of the ordinary happens. I'll double your retainer, and I'll still pay you the other half tomorrow. If you don't find anything, I'll be done with it and just... I'll let life lead me where it may. <sighs> Double the retainer. Ah, oh, man. Of course I accepted the job. After everyone had left the restaurant, I made sure everything was locked up tight. The doors, windows, everything. Nobody could get in or out. 
I sat down in the security guard's office keeping an eye on the monitors. I figured it'd be easier than walking back and forth all around the building. The night went just as I had thought, uneventful. So I used this time to do a little digging. I sifted through the files that the ringmaster had left me. Well, just your basic information, who he's worked with in the past, his employee roster, where he would get his animatronic parts. I made some phone calls using the red telephone in the office, leaving some voicemails in hopes that maybe someone would get back to me tomorrow. The night went on pretty quiet. Well, it did until one of the monitors started to give out an audible alarm. In the corner of the monitor, it said, Motion Sensor Activated. The monitor was looking into the parts and maintenance room. Since the lights were out, I couldn't really see anything. I was sure I checked that room. It was locked up tight. I grabbed the key of rings that was left to me and made my way to the back room. Passing the stage, I made sure not to try to make any eye contact with Larry. Ugh. I made my way over to the parts and maintenance door unlocking it with one of the keys on the ring and swung the door open. I reached in and flipped one of the light switches and got my revolver out. Hello? Is anyone there? No response. The room had shelves filled with various animatronic parts. A massive table sat in the middle of the room. There lay the two mangled heaps of what I could only assume were Beatrice and Ferdinand. I walked around the room. Yeah, there was nobody there. This is getting kind of weird. Suddenly, I jumped in surprise as I heard the sound of mechanical whirring. I looked over at the table where the source of the sound was coming from, only to see Ferdinand the Frog's severed arm flailing about in a violent manner. Was it reacting to something? Was it... scared? <laughs> Yeah, right. As, a, as if a robotic arm could get scared. That, of course, was ridiculous. A human being, however, could very well get scared. And you'll never guess who was paralyzed with fear upon turning around to exit the parts and maintenance room. It looks like you, 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 you got lost, little guy. This area is reserved for employees only. 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 Allow me to escort you back to the dining area. There, at the doorway, stood the hulking animatronic Larry the Ladybug. Its eyes glowed brightly in the dimly lit hallway. Petrified, I leaned over to the door and slowly closed it, locking it casually. Yeah, he didn't like that. The animatronic started to pound at the door violently. Something told me that it wasn't so he could gingerly escort me back into the dining room. I looked around frantically looking for a way out. I suddenly spied an air vent in the corner of the room. I had to act fast. Larry was pounding the door so hard that it would give out any minute. I yanked the vent open. There was barely enough room for me. I got on my hands and knees and shimmied as best as I could into it. I wasn't sure where it led, but at least I'd be out of sight. I tried to get in as far as I could before I heard the sound of the door being completely destroyed behind me. I kept completely still, trying not to give away my hiding place. The sound of slow, heavy mechanical footsteps could be heard. 
He was looking for me. This was right out of one of my nightmares as a kid. I was never a fan of those things. Wait. The sound of footsteps stopped. Oh god. What's that? It seems you're hiding. <laughs> now, 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 let's get you out of this, this restricted area. It had grabbed me by the foot and I promptly freaked out. I started to kick at its face desperately, trying to get it to let go. The features that made him creepily friendly began to get damaged due to my kicks. Some of the outer shell broke off, revealing the robotic structure underneath. Ugh. But it wasn't budging. Now, a level-headed person would know very well that shooting a firearm in an enclosed space is not a very good idea. You know this. I know this. Most folks with common sense know this. Yeah, I shot at it. Not the best idea in the world, but it did get it off me. I crawled to the end of the vent and elbowed open the cover. I scrambled out of there, staggering to my feet. I tried to get my bearings, but I was disoriented. I stumbled my way through the dark, knocking over some cooking utensils. It sounded like I was in the kitchen. Now all I needed to do was find the door. System! We, we, we starting! Oh crap. I finally started to get a hold of myself as I found the door leading out. I frantically unlocked it, stumbling out, rushing through the dimly lit restaurant. I didn't look back. I, I couldn't look back. A culmination of my worst childhood fears had come to fruition, and I wasn't that eager to see if it was gaining on me. I made my way to the entrance, fully intending to break through shoulder first when... <coughs> I remembered that things don't always work like they do in the movies. Come out, come out, wherever you are! Larry was back, and I needed a place to hide. I ran into the security office, closing the door behind me. I locked it, and started to place as many items as I could against the door. Chairs, cabinets, coffee tables, anything that wasn't nailed down to the floor. I went to the phone and I did what any logical person would do. Call 911. 911, what's your emergency plan? This is Frank Fletcher. I'm at Larry the Ladybug's Pizza Emporium on Broad Street. I need you to send a police team over as fast as you can. I understand, sir. Are you in immediate danger? Does it sound like I'm on some sort of pleasure cruise? I need help, damn it, and I need it now. Sir, it is against the law to prank 911. I advise you to. Okay, fine. Whatever. Just send the cops to Larry the Ladybugs, will ya? Oh, of course. Larry the Ladybug himself broke through the barricade I had put up. Now this damaged, sparking hulk of a mechanical creature looked straight at me for a moment before taking slow, looming steps towards me. I quickly pulled out my revolver, aiming it at him again. Hold it right there, Larry. I shot you once, don't think I won't do it again. I'm warning you, buddy. Last chance! 
It stopped briefly, but then it started moving at a terrifying pace towards me, making a lunging motion. They say when you face down your worst fear, you conquer it. That you no longer fear what you once feared. That when all is said and done, it's all over. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's a bunch of malarkey. Even after I sank the remaining seven shots left in my revolver into that monstrosity, even after its glowing, lifeless eyes lost their light and it completely came to a standstill, I was still scared out of my mind. It didn't take too long for the police to show up. Prank call or not, I had given the 911 operator my location and made enough of a ruckus to make the cops curious. They broke down the front door and found me in the security room with Larry still frozen in the lunging position. I was sitting in a chair with my gun resting on a desk nearby. I was sipping some cold coffee I got from the ancient coffee maker that sat in the corner of the room. It's about time you guys got here, I said, annoyed as hell. After explaining everything and going over the thankfully still present security footage, Richard P. Esquire III was called over. The police and I laid it out for him as best as we could. The animatronic activated itself, searched for and found me, and proceeded to try to grab me. I, uh, shot at it. It shut down initially, so I made my way here, called the authorities. The animatronic managed to turn back on, found me again, literally lunged at me, and as you can see here, I uh, promptly shot at it again, and it uh, stopped working. Uh, Call me crazy, but I have a distinct feeling that there might be a chance that Larry is the one that sort of mashed the other two. I explained, trying not to make it as bad as it seemed. Richard approached the damaged and frozen animatronic. He placed a hand on its shoulder and let out a heavy sigh. Maybe it's time I get out of the animatronic business. Look, Richard... You don't have to worry about the rest of my pay. You already covered my retainer. Now, now, Mr. Fletcher, a deal is a deal. Plus, you gave me actual results unlike the three other private investigators I hired. (laughs) You'll get your money forwarded to you. For now, I guess I'll just have to figure out what I'm gonna do with Larry over here. My advice? Scrap them. Scrap all of them. I don't think you could ever get a clearer omen than this. Best of luck to you, Richard. I patted Richard on the back and made my way out. I did all I could do. Spent nearly 24 hours on this case with no sleep. Eh, I've done worse. Once back in the office, I hung my fedora and trench coat on the coat hanger nearby. I sat down and took a load off at my desk. I didn't bother turning on the lights. After a case like that, I deserve a day to myself. I looked over at the answering machine, which was blinking red. Hi, Mr. Fletcher. Al Bronski from the mayor's office. If you could call at your earliest convenience, we'd greatly appreciate it. We need a third party's help in some sensitive matters. We'll await your call. Huh. They can wait a day. 23 in the morning, you didn't lose your job with that fish person, did you? Oh, it's not Jess. Huh? Fish person, she says. Oh, she must mean Captain Caleb. 
Oh, a while back I did a case for a man who fancied himself a captain, when in reality he was just the owner of a fish stick manufacturing company. I must have forgotten to update her about it after the captain had sent her and myself complimentary samples. I didn't care for him. You know, you really should tell that Captain Caleb to do something about his food. The girls and I tried it last Friday, and honestly, it isn't very good. And by the sounds of it, neither did she. I'm pretty sure this message goes on for a while. I'll come back to it later. Mr. Fletcher, I am calling on behalf of Afton Robotics. I believe you had an inquiry about our parts distribution. I assure you that... Eh, case is closed. Don't think I need to bother with that. <sighs> I think a little power nap is in order. Afterwards, I can go get a Reuben sandwich with, uh, with extra sauerkraut, and then I can t take care of some errands, and, You've been listening to Sleuth, brought to you by Grandstand Radio Productions. For more, head over to SoundCloud and search Grandstand Radio. Music provided by the Blake Robinson Synthetic Orchestra. Visit them at www.syntheticorchestra.com. Grandstand Radio, the most fun you'll never see. <laughs>